I don't really know how to start shows. Come on now, don't start, don't start liking me now. So yeah, I'm funny compared to, you know, well, you'll see later. I stand for mayhem! I know a lot of fucking idiots. I think a lot of shit is mean-spirited just because it goes against what they believe. But the relief of comedy is it takes things that aren't funny and it allows us to laugh about them for an hour. We got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why Are You Laughing? A History of Comedy podcast. And today, I'm pleased to introduce to you Louis C.K.'s Shameless, a special that premiered on HBO in 2007. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, every once in a while, we do a special or album breakdown. It was kind of the original idea for the show. That's why our first episode ever was uh, The Day the Laughter Died by Andrew Dice Clay. Um, and the... It's interesting because with Louis C.K., there are three specials in particular that kind of like meld together in my mind, and that would be Shameless, Hilarious, and Chewed Up, mm-hmm. which all came out in about a three, four-year span, um, and those are what kind of launched Louis into being like the guy for a long time until, I don't know what happened, something in 2017, I can't remember, <laughs> but um, but the, so these three specials all seem very similar to me. The background is very similar. What he's wearing is essentially the same. Even the font um, on the logos um, and like when it says directed, the, the credits and all that. Uh, the font is even the same for all three specials. So they just kind of blend together in your mind. So I thought it'd be cool throughout the course of the show. We won't do them back to back or anything. Um, but like we did with uh, Delirious and Raw for Eddie Murphy, um, we'll kind of go through these three and see, uh, I, guess, I guess, which we enjoyed more because what was interesting about going back and listening to uh, Shameless is you still, the, 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 Louis C.K. isn't fully polished yet. I think the guy we know now as one of the greatest comedians ever, um, he's not fully there yet. So it was kind of interesting to watch this special because uh, there are clips of him. I remember when I used to listen to stand up on Pandora and you would just get random clips. There was a clip from like 19, early 90s or maybe even the late 80s. And it's Louis. And you can tell like, they're Louis-ish jokes, but it almost feels like an open micer doing Louis, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel like him yet. That's a, that's a good description. And there's and there's a little bit like this is a hilarious special, but there's a little bit of this where he's almost like trying to please the audience or trying to relate to the audience a little more than he would now. Like now his whole persona is not really giving a fuck whether or not the audience is enjoying it. Um so we will uh, we'll see if you guys agree with me as we go through this special. But if you like these episodes, if you wish you could get them a week early, then become a Patreon or YouTube member. Um, you get early access to episodes as well as bonus content. Uh, as of right now, our latest bonus episode is the Fez Wally versus Legion of Skanks episode, which is kind of related to uh, last week's free episode. So go check that out if you like the uh, Fez Wally stuff. Um, and join the Patreon or YouTube if you want more content or subscribe for free, support the show for free anywhere you get podcasts, including YouTube, get those numbers up, baby. Five star reviews, like comment, share, whatever you can do to help that algorithm. Cause that's what matters these days. doesn't matter if the podcast is good as long as we fit the algorithm. <laughs> that's what I always say. That's the strategy we got to go with according to hack, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Our, our overlord demands it. <laughs> We do put up clips sometimes, like like we have these uh, clips recently that kind of don't really have context, but 
that's what the algorithm wants. And I'm like, well, it's getting a lot of views. So that works. I have no idea. I, I've tried <laughs> to watch fi- the show and find out what we're talking about. It doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> I've tried to figure out how that, that shit works even remotely. And I can't, I don't get it. Well, whatever. But uh, yeah, blindmike.net. <laughs> it's where you can support the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, long story short, uh, blindmike.net. Exactly. All right. Let's get into some Louis. Huh? This is uh, Louis C.K. Shameless. Let's start right at the beginning. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. That's very nice. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good. Thanks for... Thank you. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Thanks for not dying before you got here. This could have happened. Thanks for getting through the traffic. I drove here, and on the way here, I saw a bumper sticker on a car, and it said, uh, it said tell your girlfriend I said thanks. <laughs> Isn't that a little personal for a bumper sticker, really? A bumper sticker should be like, hey, I'm in front of you, whatever, you know. Not, hey, I fucked your girlfriend. You really... <laughs> you want that on your car all day for whoever's behind you? Tell your girlfriend I said thanks. How does he know I'm not behind him just getting mad? (laughs) Crazy, taking it personal, motherfucker. I follow him home. I get out of my car in his driveway with a pipe. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Thank her for what exactly? Wait a minute, you fucked my girlfriend? Then you made that bumper sticker and found me in traffic and got in front of me? Motherfucker. And I just beat him to death with a pipe right there in his driveway. Mm, mm. And jerk off on his corpse. <laughs> Standing ovation. <laughs> so, so I remember, and, and it was symbolism, honestly, for what would come later, I guess. But yeah, there's a lot of that in this uh, special. Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, what I remember most about that joke is. Um, I swear this was on Comedy Central that I was watching. I don't know. Maybe there was a licensing agreement between HBO and Comedy Central at the time or something that that would make sense. But I remember uh, late at night, I was uh, at my dad's house watching. I I just threw on a comedy special. I didn't know what this was. I just saw it was on uh, Comedy Central and was like, give it a try. And I remember there was something about that joke that got me and it taking the turn of him jerking off on the corpse for absolutely no reason where I was like, oh, this is different than the other stuff I've seen. Cause like at that time I was, a f- I liked like Jim Gaffigan and Brian Regan and guys like yeah. that, that are still very funny, but I was like, Oh wow, that's a, such a weird dark twist to put in there for no reason. And I remember just clicking with me, even as a kid, like, and part of it is, you know, you're 16 years old and you just like dirty humor like that. Yeah. Um, but there is something about Louie where it's just his, uh, the absurdity of his act, like you, don't, him and Chappelle are two guys that you kind of think is like highbrow comedy. Um, but the two bits that stand out to me that are, uh, I shouldn't say that's one of my favorite Louis bits, but like one of my favorite Chappelle bits ever is when he's talking about uh, the baby standing on the corner selling crack. Yeah, obviously, I suspect that didn't really happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suspect it was an absurd thing in Dave's mind that he made into a brilliant bit. Uh, similar to that, where it's like with Louie, you think of them, and Carlin has a lot of this too, where what Carlin did later in his career became very philosophical. Mm-hmm. But he was also, like, he would talk about farting and shitting. Like, he would just be very silly sometimes. 
Um, and I think that's the best Louie is being completely absurd. And what I like about Louie, and I think canceling did getting canceled did this to him a little bit, is you started to see him like he was wearing a suit on stage. He was wearing his glasses. That's when he was being very serious. Yeah. He uh, sent out an email to his followers talking about what a great mother Hillary Clinton was and all that. Oh my um, God. I forgot and, about that. I know Bob is Craig, but uh, that's when he started, like you started to see serious Louie. And I think getting canceled kind of knocked him off of that. So he's never had this phase of his stand-up where he's taking himself too seriously. And I think you see Chappelle entering that stage now. Um, his last special was was void of that, which I liked. But it started with like a Henry David Thoreau quote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he still wears his logo on stage and stuff like that. Like, there's a uh, an element of Dave Chappelle smelling his own shit that I don't think Louis ever quite had, at least on stage. There are some instances off stage. But uh, on stage, I don't think he ever had that, and it wasn't reflected in his material. And so far, he's the one guy that's gotten to that level of, like, elite elite. Um, and I mean, and I think that's really only a, a prior. You know what? I think, it, weirdly, I think Chappelle and Carlin are very similar, and Pryor and Louie are similar, in that Pryor and Louie kind of remained who they were throughout their career, whereas yeah. uh, Carlin and Chappelle kind of started taking themselves more seriously and, like, uh, you know, their words had more meaning, you know? Yeah, once once Chappelle started calling himself the goat on stage, you're like, well, there's nowhere to go but back to normal. That's right, <laughs> and he's still, he's still very funny, mm -hmm. but he hasn't put anything out as good as Killing Him Softly since Killing Him Softly, you know? That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one other thing I should mention, a fact about Shameless is this came out uh, the same year as Lucky Louie on HBO. So, as networks often do, like, I think uh, Netflix even would do this with Bill Burr. Um, like, a Bill Burr special would come out a couple weeks before Ephes for Family premiered, something like that. Um, so it's kind of a marketing tool to be like, oh, I want to see more from Louie. And then Lucky Louie, I thought was a very good sitcom. It was uh, similar to Roseanne in the sense that it was like a drab look at American family. It wasn't this polished set or anything like that. And the subject matter they talked about was very dark. And on HBO, they could curse and talk the way, you know, married couples would really talk. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it was good, but it got canceled after only one season. So it didn't really take off. Yeah, And I found out actually, so I saw um, Norton. Did you hear him on Rogan? His last appearance? Yeah, they talked about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, um, the views were actually like going up significantly every week. They just decided not to do it. Well, he made an interesting point that um, HBO cared a lot. Of, like they had, this, this is like right when The Sopranos was ending. Uh, you have Sex in the City and even like Entourage was very critically acclaimed at that time. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. You have all these shows that are getting like awards and critical acclaim. And... I think they got very skittish about having this goofy sitcom with Nick DiPaolo and Jim Norton on it. No, perfect cast. It it would it it, it could have been great, but they uh, they panicked and canceled it. Um, I had one other thing to say, but maybe I'll think of it during this next clip. Yeah, we got a public bathroom. All right, let's hear. I was at a bar the other night. Doesn't matter where because I'm lying. But uh. <laughs> okay, right there. That's one thing that Louis is great at is tearing down these. Uh, you know, kind of fake walls that comedians put up, but mm -hmm. still getting you to laugh at the joke. Yeah. So we'll hear that again. And he's telling you like, this isn't a real scenario, but I'm still going to make you laugh. It's almost like challenging himself. Like the way they used to say uh, Damon Wayans, once he got famous 
would dig himself a hole and do like his worst material up front or his raunchiest material up front just to turn people off so that they stop thinking, oh, this is Damon Wayans. Yeah. This is almost a way of like getting people to stop thinking they're at a comedy show and then get them back over the course of one joke. <laughs> when you were, when you brought up the uh, um, baby selling crack thing, which probably like, <laughs> I don't think that actually happened. I was going to bring this up, but I forgot where in the special it was. So, yeah, right so I, was here. Like, <laughs> I was like, he just kind of says it. <laughs> yeah. I was at a bar the other night. doesn't matter where because I'm lying, but uh, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was at a bar and uh, um, I was waiting for the bathroom for a really long time. There's a guy in the bathroom and I'm waiting for him. And then after a while, this guy that works there walks by. He goes, are you still waiting? And I'm like, yeah. So he bangs on the door and he goes, come on, asshole, shit and get out. <laughs> and then he walks away. That became a very funny scene in the show, Louis, on FX with uh, Big J. Okerson and Chelsea Peretti, I believe. That's right. <laughs> um, and that, and th- there are some jokes in here like that where it's like just Louis throwing that out there. And it's like a funny enough concept that he doesn't even really write a punchline. He's like, just here's something I thought of happening. And then he just moves on. Like, next joke. <laughs> here's me telling you this very funny thing about to say it didn't come close to happening. Yeah. By the way, if you for those of you that have uh, made it this far in, I should note, um, I uh, I usually like to preface these episodes by saying, yes, if you're looking at the time, this is an hour and a half breakdown of a one hour special. So just buckle up <laughs> if you haven't figured that out already. Uh, next, we have a unique food item. All right. You know, you know when you, the grocery stores in Chinatown, they're for the Chinese people to eat their actual food and... Uh, they had, I was in one of those, and they, they had duck vaginas. I swear to God. A huge barrel of fucking duck vaginas with a scoop stuck in it. <laughs> and I'm standing there just staring at this fucking huge thing. And I'm thinking, can we possibly dominate a species more than that? <laughs> Than that we're selling their vaginas in a fucking barrel. <laughs> fucking ducks are just like dudes. Jesus. <laughs> we you won the war. Take it easy. You don't have to sell our vaginas. <laughs> I didn't get any because I don't want to know if I, what if I love duck vaginas? I don't want to find out. <laughs> It's not like millions of things taste like a fucking duck vagina. It would be very specific to be addicted to that. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> it's that kind of, again, that goes back to, I don't know if Louis was actually in a store that had a duck vagina sign over a barrel <laughs> of duck vaginas. I don't know if that happened, but it is like a thought that came into his brain. And we talked about this on uh, the Blind Mike Project when we talked about Hassan Minaj where Hassan Minaj was exposed basically as a liar. And his defense was like, hey, comedians take things on stage and make them absurd and twist them or stretch the truth or just make up scenarios all the time. And our breakdown of that was essentially like the examples I would use of that are Chappelle and Louie. And uh, I mean, there are a bunch of others, but those are probably the two best at it. Mm-hmm. And like, listen to that, what that was with Louie. It wasn't a stance on duck vaginas. Right. That's the difference. Right. It's taking that like, hey, if this were to happen... This is kind of a funny, interesting observation. He's not now advocating for, you know, duck lives matter or anything. Like that. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> whereas Hassan Minaj told a story that didn't happen and there were no punchlines. 
I think that's always been the difference is, you know, even when Louis um, gets uh, philosophical is probably the wrong word, but when he's making a statement like um, use of the N word or the F word, which he talks about in uh, other specials um, in the, over the next couple of years, it's not like a stance where he's trying to change your mind on anything. He's giving you his opinion. You can agree with it or disagree with it, but hopefully you laugh at it. That's the main intention. Yeah. Can you tell the difference between uh, a barrel of duck vaginas and maybe lying about being in like the North tower on nine 11? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's also what, you know, what's interesting is um, a clear uh, descendant of Louis CK would be our friend Shane Gillis. Both talked about uh, both got canceled, and both talked about duck vaginas and or ducks in Chinatown, rather. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> it was Louis's influence that ruined Shane, I think. Oh man, and he's now just rolling in cash. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it ruined him. He yeah. didn't get on SNL, and now his career's done. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. He's That's fired. <laughs> yeah. um, they actually have annoying friend. Okay. And there are, by the way, there are, uh, and because the specials blend together, I wasn't sure. I was like, do I like Shameless the most or Hilarious or Chewed Up? And going back and watching, like, they each have jokes that get quoted all the time. Yeah. Or even just ideas that you don't realize you're quoting Louie. So I think over the course of uh, the next few jokes, we stumble into things that just became part of the zeitgeist. The way you, f- you, you find that with movies a lot. Um, Louie is one of the first stand-ups of my lifetime that I found that happening with. Where like you're quoting things and people are oh that's a Louis C.K. idea and they're right. not even quoting Louis you know right. Talk, I have this friend uh, he has a phone that can IM he can instant message and so now I really want him to die because I'm sick of getting these fucking messages from him on his phone I, I'm in a shoe store that's the whole message we're not secret agents I don't need to know where you are so I get this message from him he says I'm on an airplane in Seattle so I wrote back and I said well I hope your plane crashes. <laughs> And he gets pissed off and he calls me, take it back, we're about to take off. I'm like, fuck you, I hope it crashes. I don't have to take it back. Hope it crashes twice. Hope it crashes and kills Happy, and they go, fuck it, let's try again, and they take off and crash again. <laughs> I hope that happens. Sincerely, I hope it. And he's, he, he, tries to make, he goes, well, how are you gonna feel now if my plane crashes after you went and said that? I'm like, are you shitting me? That would be amazing. To know that I can do that? I'd happily trade your life for knowledge of my powers. He's one of those guys who just makes you hate him because, uh, you know when you have a friend that you hate, you can't break up with your friends, you know? He always starts conversations that I don't want to have. You know, he's like, hey, what would you do if you had a time machine? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't... You know what? I wouldn't use it. i just let it sit in my house. I put a drink on it. And yeah, I got a time machine. I never even wanted it. I don't know. <laughs> Not interested. I'd use it to go back ha- 30 minutes ago and punch you in the fucking face before you ask me that. That's all. <laughs> One use. <laughs> that, what, what I think really broke Louie, and we'll see more examples of it towards the end of this special, but like what 
people were attracted to in him is the, I think I'm getting this right from a psychological standpoint, like the id that in all of us that we related to where like Louie would talk about things where it's kind of in the back of your mind, but maybe you didn't vocalize or at least in mixed company, you would never bring this up. Mm -hmm. And Louie would just say it on a stage and in a matter of fact way to say like, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, whether or not you would want to admit it. And that's what gets gut laughs is when people point out things that you never want to admit to right. maybe to yourself, exactly. you know, and that's what Louie was so good at. And I think that did kind of change in a way, the way a lot of comedians talked and the way a lot of people talk in general, you started to see that bluntness. Like you hear it a lot on podcasts. And I think that's, you know, Howard Stern and tough crowd and all these other programs had that influence as well. But what was interesting about Louis is like we mentioned Nick DiPaolo and Jim Norton earlier. Those are two guys like Louis is just as dirty and crass as them and blunt. And so as I was listening to that, I was wondering why is Louis so much more successful than these guys who are genuinely very funny. And it's because he, I should say more mainstream is the question I'm asking. Uh, like why, why was Louis, you know, kind of allowed in the mainstream for a long time? Cause if you remember, when Daniel Tosh got canceled, there was this weird argument where uh, I think it was Lindy West was the one that said this. Um, that Louis C.K. is allowed to make rape jokes because he does them well. Which are they're, I, I, ironically how their argument turned over the years. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but he even had like liberal people, like super progressive people mm-hmm. laughing at this humor that they shouldn't be. And I think it's because he presents it in such a matter of fact way and in a way that we can relate to where it's like, Oh, I've thought of that in that exact same way. And I feel like almost guilty admitting it, you know, that in like uh with the DePaulo, uh, I think politics does play a role in that. DePaulo for sure. Yeah. But like, Nor- like Norton's a very funny guy. I'm not saying Norton's as funny as Louis, but like, if you look at how like dur- you forget, like Louis's a filthy comedian. Oh yeah. Like if you just put you, you couldn't pl- if he, he couldn't do a set on NBC or something. I think yet that- he was very accepted by the mainstream. I think because it might also be because DePaulo and Norton both are like aggressive talkers on stage and he's very relaxed. That, and yeah, that might be actually a better way of what I'm trying to say, where he, they, those guys are very aggressive and it comes through. Whereas while like Louie might be saying just as aggressive things, but it flows very naturally and it feels like just kind of you're having a innocent conversation. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, but next we have him talking about Hitler. Excellent. So he said if he had a time machine, he would kill Hitler. Like, he would go back and kill Hitler. I love that he thinks he can just kill Hitler just because he just goes back there and walk up and kill the dude. And I was thinking, that's a noble purpose for a time machine. I would do that. But I would have gone back then, but I I wouldn't have killed Hitler. I would have raped him. That's what I thought. (laughs) Because I think that would have been enough. I think that would have stopped him from doing all that shit. If he had been raped by me, he never would have pulled any of that stuff, man. (laughs) Should we invade Poland? No, I'll just I'll take a shower. I don't feel good here. <laughs> Low self-esteem, and you know. I have very, like, again, something that's been, like, talked about and like, oh, I'd go back and kill Hitler. The idea of raping Hitler, just that little twist on that. And then, uh, 
you know, we always talk about influence on here. A few years later, I think it was new in town where John Mulaney had sort of a similar premise, but the joke was like, are you saying like, would I kill an old, old man that I perceive to look like Hitler? (laughs) Why did you kill that old man? And I'm like, he looked like Hitler. And everyone's like, yeah, a little. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it, it, like that's that's what I'm talking about. Where these like concepts that people talk about, Louis is able to twist them in a way. And again, he's talking about raping Hitler. Right. <laughs> Two things that mixed company doesn't like to joke about. But he was a guy that was you know very much accepted. I think he's that's a safe topic if you're gonna talk about raping somebody. <laughs> he's on the he's on the right side of history in that one. I'll yeah, give him that. Yeah. He's raping the right person. <laughs> but uh, next, this doesn't age well for uh, old Louis. So yeah, I just wanted to throw this in because it's a clip that got thrown around a lot <laughs> when uh, Louis got canceled. Now, I, I don't think this is an admission. <laughs> this is what people tried to uh, spin it that way during the Me Too movement. Obviously, you should never uh, rape anyone. Um, unless you have a reason, like you want to fuck somebody and they won't let you, in which case, uh, <laughs> what other option do you have? How else are you supposed to have an orgasm in their body if you don't rape them? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> that laugh. Uh, okay, that's fucked up. That laugh is just... <laughs> now, listen. I'm a guy that's defended uh, Louis C.K.'s side of that whole cancellation. I think people took a lot of stuff that happened out of context. It was, it was reported incorrectly. But when you uh, play a joke like that, and like that's what people would do at that time. Is like, well, he thinks things like this. It's like, well, he was joking. He was on a stage. Yeah, that you know? part. That part at the end where he goes, "All right, that's fucked up." I don't think they had that part in there. Uh, no, probably, probably not. But it's also different. People would be like, it's exact. It's exactly like the Spanish fly bit from Bill Cosby. Like he's leaving breadcrumbs, and it's like, no, I don't think so. Like Bill Cosby had an insight into something that would allow you to take advantage of women. Where this is just a funny thought, in my opinion. And if you listen to that Spanish fly bit, there's really not any jokes. He's just telling you what to he, do. It's just a man who knows too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. Sound off in the comments, guys. Lucy K, guilty or innocent? What do you think? Yeah, let us know. Uh, next, we have awesome possum. Uh, so this is well. Uh, th- this deserves a little setup because it is what Louis became great at, and now uh, again talking about influence, it's what you see a lot of people do. This was ripped off a lot. Um, uh, something that Louis C.K. I think kind of created again if leave a comment if you guys can pinpoint someone that did it before louie but he would mention so he'd go he'd say that he has this uh awesome possum shirt that he bought and he'd go i got it as a gift oh, fuck you i liked it whatever <laughs> um but that leads him into a rant about like hipster it was too long to clip it wouldn't make sense to listen to a five minute bit where he veers off in this totally different direction talking about coffee shops and these kind of douchebags that inhabit it and he goes off on his rant and then brings it back to uh, where we are. So he's wearing this awesome possum shirt. And it's a total, it's a misdirection in a way, like, you know, misdirections have been done forever in comedy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was always just a punchline you weren't expecting. Where this is like, Louis makes you forget what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the punchline is him getting back on track, essentially. Right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I was, I was in the coffee place uh, with the young people. <laughs> <laughs> and, <they're, laughs> and I'm standing in the doorway just fantasizing about walking around just hitting their cups to the floor like this, you know. <laughs> bagel and coffee and bagel. 
<laughs> and I see this guy, he's like 20 years old, and he has the awesome possum shirt, just like mine. So I went like this, I went like, hey, nice shirt. <laughs> and he went, Pfft. and he walked away like I'm a piece of shit. And I stood there and I was so mad, I just thought, fuck him, man. We have the same shirt. It's an unusual shirt. It's perfectly appropriate to fucking do this shit. Why does he have to make me feel like an old fag just because I want to make a connection <laughs> with another human being? Is his generation just too cool and ironic? It's lame. The older guy wants uh, Fucking young cunt. I hope he dies. Like, that's how, that's how mad I was. <laughs> And as I'm standing there, like in that anger, I look down and I realize I'm not wearing the shirt. I don't have the. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I did. I just. I saw his and went, don't be too, too, too. It's. It's funny because like you and this is where maybe uh, in my scathing takedown of Jerry Seinfeld in an early episode, uh, I probably didn't give Jerry enough credit for how much influence his stand up did have. Because it's like with someone like Louie, you wouldn't think they had any Seinfeld in them, really. Right. But like what he's doing there is completely Seinfeld, where it's making it like we weren't there to experience it. We don't know what the fucking t-shirt looks like or anything. And even on this episode, we're only listening to the audio because YouTube would take us down otherwise. So we can't even get like the, the gestures, but you, you can feel the feelings that he right. would be experiencing in that moment. And that's what Seinfeld was very good at was taking these just kind of, uh, you know, minuscule human reactions, examining the, the minutia of these, uh, you know, interactions that people have, and even if it's not the exact same scenario, you feel for it. Regan, like the Regan um, take luck bit is also like that, where it's like, or just, you know, waving when at, at the, the person that's not actually waving at you, something like that. <laughs> it's a little thing that you can stretch into something funny because people relate to it. And when you listen to Louie, you wouldn't be like, oh, he has a lot of Seinfeld or Regan in him. But he does. Like, he is a very observational and just talks about a lot. You know, Woody Allen, I clearly, I think clearly Woody Allen is a yeah. uh, inspiration of. Imagine, uh, yeah. Imagine if you started this bit with "What's the deal with coffee shops?" Right. Then it then it feels corny, but Louis puts his own right twist on it. Like it, but it is similar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next we have bag of dicks. So maybe I'm wrong. I swear I had never heard that term in my. Now I hear it almost daily. Right. <laughs> Suck a bag of dicks. Right. But. I don't think I ever heard that before. It feels like a Louis creation, but maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Uh, yeah, he also uh, does in this more or less admit that he didn't invent it. He just heard it. Sure, but he certainly popularized it. At least I oh, think so. Oh, that's probably for sure. Yeah. Finally, we get to a red light, and I got to face him. Only because there's a car in front of me. Otherwise, I would have fucking blown right through there. But there he is, just fucking furious. And I'm like, I know, it was awful. I shouldn't have done it. And I'm not mad. I was wrong. Why would I be mad? And he's like, well, fuck you. And then he starts going like this because he wants me to roll my window down. Like, I'm supposed to take part in my own abuse during this argument. You know, well, I'm sorry. I don't want to miss this. What do you have to say about me? Yes. How rude of me to shut out your anger with my... So I did. I rolled it down. I'm interested. 
And he goes, hey, asshole. And I'm like, yeah. He says, suck a bag of dicks. And then he drove away. And I was kind of sad that he drove away because I had a lot of questions. That concept of sucking a bag of dicks, it's just weird. Like, first of all, when you picture a bag of dicks, what do you see when you picture a bag of dicks? Is it like a plastic bag and they're all mushed in together like chicken parts and with a date written on it with Sharpie, keep it in the freezer? Or is it like a paper bag and they're sticking out like baguettes, kind of like you went shopping? <laughs> Bring it home a bag of dicks for the kids. Here you go, Susie, take a blue one. You know, like a little soon. <laughs> uh, my, I pictured the first one, but if you were sucking each dick, the second one would be more See, I, yeah, efficient. I, I pictured the baguette style. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, everyone has their own uh, spin on it. That's right. <laughs> but to me, like I like the suck a bag of dicks thing, like that it got quoted a lot. And like I said, I think he popularized that term, unless you guys know of a different origin. Leave a comment. <laughs> um, but uh, what I take most from that bit as we break it down is like, it's again the id that we were talking about where he approaches this from... I'm completely in the wrong. Like I'm cutting this guy in traffic. I'm, I'm an asshole and I'm kind of laughing about it. Right. <laughs> and it's him relating to us. Like he's not making excuses. He's relating to like a guilty part of us where not me, obviously, cause I don't drive, but the rest of you people are like, yeah, I've done, I kind of done that. Or in some form you can relate to being a prick to someone yeah. Uh, where there's no consequence and you're not really caring. You're like, oh, I've done that in my life. And Louis just very freely admitting it. And that's the, the part of you that he appeals to. Yeah, he's one of a kind. That's for damn sure. Um, yes. Next, we have a stereotype. Uh, all right. The only the only um, thing that uh, bums me out though is that you're not you're not supposed to laugh at gay people when they're funny because sometimes they just are they're funny like I lived in New York for a lot of my life and in my neighborhood everybody was gay and and it, it, you know some guys are just a guy walking down the street but some gay guys are a guy in little shorts and a half shirt and you know combat boots spray painted green and a uh, whistle and he's standing on the corner going hello it's fucking hot outside <laughs> that's not a stereotype those guys fucking exist by the thousands. And when I see them, I laugh really loud. I just do. And people are like, don't laugh at him because he's gay. No, I'm not. I'm laughing because he's fucking weird and silly. He's hilarious. How am I supposed to react? Hello? Oh, hello. Hello, yes. Seriousness is... Yes. That's stupid. <laughs> It's like I always say about Norman Lear. I think Louis has a little of that in him where um, he had a great deal of influence and people would say like, you're a, a trailblazer. Or, you know, you've, you've broken down the barriers for comedians and uh, like people coming up in, in the business that want to say what they want. And Louis has a lot of that. Like he makes point legitimate points about language. Um, like I said, like the way he talks about the N-word or the F-word, he made points about that that I would hear people years later make in actual arguments. Like we said with Patrice about the um, uh, Natalie Holloway bit. 
where he's like, they wouldn't report that about a black girl, essentially. That was literally said on the news <laughs> a couple of years ago. Like that was an argument they were having, not on the comedy stage. Um, Louis the same way where he'll make points like that and people will go, oh, that's very interesting. And then we just kind of forget them over the year. Like we don't take that into account ever. It, like with that, that point with stereotypes, it's like, I would say for, Ita- I'm allowed to say it about Italians. So I'll, I'll use them. Like, there are dumb, over-the-top, stereotype-like Italians that exist out there. That's a funny person to make fun of. doesn't mean you're making fun of the entire group or whatever. It's funny to make fun of stereotypes because in some form, they exist somewhere. That, that, that stereotype started somewhere. It doesn't mean all people are like that, you know? Right. And so that's a point that, like, Louis makes and gets laughs, but it never, for whatever reason, in society, it doesn't stick. When a good point like that is made in comedy, whether it's Norman Lear or Louis or Larry David or Woody Allen, it, for whatever reason, we can all laugh at it and go, oh, that's an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. And then we all forget when it comes to a different situation. <laughs> uh, next, we have uh, learning to jerk off. Okay. Uh, this was uh, dev- devastating for humanity that <laughs> Louie learned how to joke, jerk off. But this is something that did stick with me because you guys are going to learn a little bit about me. Um, I, I was a victim of the same ignorance as a boy. Anyway, Jeff did it totally differently. Jeff didn't, uh, he, he would lie on his stomach. He would lay on his stomach and press his dick into his palm really hard and he enjoyed the pressure. And, uh, some kids do it like that. I looked it up on the... By the way, it fucks your dick up, so don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's, it does fuck your dick up. But he, did, he didn't know, so he was pushing his dick into his palm. And I think sometimes he would put a book on the other, on the, behind his hand. Like, he just liked the pressure. And he couldn't get enough pressure. So he said to me, maybe if I sat on his ass while he did this, it would be better. So I did. I sat on his ass... moment I'm sitting on Jeff's ass while he jerked himself off and I remember thinking to myself is this this gay that I'm doing this or am I just a really good friend maybe I'm just a good friend it's weird to think now that I fucking sat on an 11 year old boy's ass while he masturbated (laughs) <laughs> I I forgot the turn that that bit took. I should note I meant that I used the pressure, like I would face <laughs> down and uh, hump a pillow. Essentially, <laughs> how I first started drinking. I, I didn't have anyone sit on me. I forgot the turn that it took. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was a victim. I was just a kid. Um, but yeah, like I wanted to play that bit because you're gonna listen to that. What he, the subject matter that he's talking about, and tell me he's even one percent less filthy than. Dice or Artie Lang or anyone like that, that w- absolutely wouldn't be accepted um, in the mainstream. I mean, they might get like HBO specials and stuff like that, but they wouldn't be invited to award shows and all these things like, you know, make movies with big actors like Meryl Streep and Steve Buscemi and these people were in things that uh, Louis produced, uh, like Horace and Pete, mm-hmm. um, you know, Edie Falco, like all these big. Um, respected actors and actresses were in Louis stuff. Like, there's no way Dice could have done that, or these filthy guys that we're talking about. Even like Attell, who's really respected in comedy, but never had like mainstream acceptance the way Louis did. And it's like Craig said earlier, it's like there is there's a there's a charm to the way he's saying it. There's something about the matter of fact 
nature that he is doing this in. It's not as aggressive and, uh, you know, in your face as a lot of those other guys are. Uh, this is the next, this section uh, is fun listening to now because when I first heard this, I didn't have kids and now he's just going to shit on them for the remainder of the special. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of waiting. I was like, oh, maybe this isn't the one. So what broke Louie, I mean, there's a couple different things. Like, I think in the full episode we did about Louis C.K., we talked about the uh, Conan bit uh, kind of breaking him, talking about airplane, like techno- Wi-Fi on airplanes, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal for him. But what broke him as far as like the audience connecting with him was Louis talking about his marriage and kids. And for the you know first forty minutes of the special or so, so I was like, oh, maybe it's not in. Maybe it doesn't. He doesn't get to it in this one. Maybe it's a later special that he starts diving into that material. Uh, but no, I was wrong. The last 20 minutes or so, you realize how bitter he is about his marriage. <laughs> it's really the kids that do you in as a man. We have two kids. That's fucking stupid. Don't do that because you just, it also, it based mainly what it does to a marriage. It just changes the way that you think about your spouse. Because when, you, when you're married, when you first get married, you have a relationship that's so important to you and you're working on it together. But then you have a kid and you look at your kid and you go, holy shit, this is my child. She has my DNA. She has my name. I would die for her. And you look at your spouse and go, who the fuck are you? You're a stranger. Why do I take shit from you? But it's really, it's the kids that make it very hard. We have two. We have uh, a baby, and I don't, I don't really know the baby, to tell you the truth, because she hasn't said anything, so I don't really know her. Uh, pe- pe- I like her. She's fine. But I don't know her. How do I know what she's really like? Maybe she fucking hates Jews. I don't know. I don't know nothing about her. <laughs> oh, like, for, I mean, forever in comedy, it was like, you know, you bash your wife, but you do it in like a PG. Well, take my wife, please. That sort of thing. Right. And then it kind of became like, you know, like uh, Dice and Kinnison were certainly more vulgar towards women. But that was like just straight, like, you know, absurdity and vulgarity. Well, Louis did is kind of combine the two in a way where it's like you can feel that he loves his wife and kids and also resents them every day of his life. Yeah. And again, it's that dark part of you that you don't want to admit exists, but on some days it just does. Like it doesn't mean you hate your kid, but if they've been crying for four hours and you can't get them to shut the fuck up or, you know, you can't get them out of the house or they're causing a scene in public or whatever in those moments, those fleeting moments, you do f- hate their guts. <laughs> right. I would imagine. I'm not a parent. Yes. I'm just guessing. Yes. Um, you know, so they're like, there are things actually being a non-parent might give me some perspective in this because I would say like, just as a human being, if my friend's kids or my niece and nephew or whatever were doing that, you'd be like, Oh Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. Oh no. <laughs> that it, doesn't change in you as a person. You just love these kids now. <laughs> Yeah, it is different because I remember being yeah. like, because before, if it's not your kid, you can be like, all right, I'm going to walk away. I can leave. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're like exhausted from a long day and, you know, your kid just wants Cheez-Its and there isn't any in the house at the moment. <laughs> like, yeah. like, well, Louis, I, I forget if we have Louie talking about it in one of these clips, but he does talk about that where he's like, I can't leave these things. Like, I, I unfortunately, I love them. <laughs> right. And, and that's the part of Louie that connected with a lot of people to where, like, your parents could watch a Louie special. And like I said, he's talking about 
there's a lot of vulgarity in it and it would be R rated and all of that. But, you know, your parents could relate to it because it was done in such a way that it should, we're all, you know, human beings can connect to. Yeah. And uh, here he is talking about keeping them alive. Oh, so this is what I was uh, referring to, I think. I start the AC, then I put the groceries in, then I go to get my daughter out of the stroller. I, I got down there and I realized that the exhaust pipe is right in her fucking face. It's just fucking. <laughs> I'm like, fuck! I almost killed my kid in the dumbest fucking way ever! If she died like that, I couldn't tell her mom. I couldn't fucking go home with that story. Well, I put her in that fucking, I don't know. I didn't realize. Fuck you. I just, fuck, I don't know. I'd have to throw her into traffic. Help. You know, to actually tell her that I threw her into traffic. You know, who's? I just got reminded, because maybe because if it's a dead baby joke, I was reminded of Anthony Jeselnik. Mm-hmm. Jeselnik's good at that, where it's like his shit's insanely dark, but I think because it's almost like a magic trick what Anthony Jeselnik does is he gives you a premise and then gives you an absurd amount of time, like a final exam's worth of time to guess what he's going to say, and he still shocks you. (laughs) You You can never guess. I think because of that, like, magic trick that he does, Jeselnik's sort of accepted, um by, you know, all, all walks of life, even though it's really dark humor. And I think there's an element of that to Louis as well, where it's like, holy shit, I didn't see it going in that direction. <laughs> the idea that that bit ends with him throwing his child into traffic is something you weren't guessing, I don't think. <laughs> no, definitely not. But uh, uh, here, kids continue to, uh, they're assholes. Oh, but let me just say this real quick, too. Is like, that is a thing, like, whether you want to admit it or not, that is a thing, is like, if my kid died... I'd rather it be this way than that way. Cause then it's not my fault. That's not a thing you would volunteer at a dinner party, but it is a thing people th- just naturally would think about. Yeah. You know? one, one's a fluke and one's you're a fucking moron. Right. Yes. And those, <laughs> those thoughts cross your mind as a parent. And Louie was great at bringing that out of the audience. The other kid we have is uh, she's a, f- a girl and she's four and uh, she's also a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> it's true, man. I'm serious. I say that with no remorse. Fucking asshole. She's a douchebag. She is. Fucking jerk. The other day, I'm like, put your shoes on. We're trying to leave. Put your shoes on, please. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. How many times can you say that to somebody before you just want to kick them right in the fucking face? (laughs) Seriously. If you're with a group of people that are trying to go somewhere and you can't go, you can't go because a member of your party just refuses to put their shoes on, that person is a fucking asshole, Okay. You don't do that to people. Imagine being with a group. Hey, we can't go. Why? Because fucking Bill won't put his shoes on. He just won't put them on. (laughs) Fuck, Bill, what's your problem? I don't want to put them on. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fucking kids suck. Seriously. The other day, I walk in the kitchen. She's talking to my wife. She says, uh, Mama, I saw a doggy today. And I was like, really? Where did you see a doggy? And she's like, I'm telling Mama, not you. I'm like, hey, fuck you. I'm just asking to be nice anyway. (laughs) You think I actually give a shit about the dog you saw? Like that was going to be an awesome story that you saw a fucking dog. (laughs) Who gives a shit? I got better stories than you. I have an interesting life. I'm on fucking television. I won an Emmy. You don't ask me what fucking happened to me today, you little bitch. (laughs) 
Uh, Joe List is a great line that's definitely influenced by that. Like Joe List opened for Louis for many years and they made a yeah. movie together. They're good friends. Um, but uh, List has a line where he's in a hotel pool and a little kid turns to his mom and says, points at Joe and says, Mama, I don't like that man. <laughs> and Joe's like, well, fuck you. I have 70,000 Twitter followers. No, four people like you. What, you, what the fuck do you know? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, another line that that made me think of is, uh, you know, it's like I was talking about with comedians would always teeter on the brink of saying my kid's an asshole. Like, without saying it, they would say, my kids are, you know, stressing me out, they annoy me, whatever. Like, um, I always loved the Gaffigan joke about, like, bringing his kids to Disney World and saying, like, he can relate to his father now. Right. Do you remember going on, every time you go on vacation, you'd always think to yourself, why is dad always in a bad mood? It's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite bits. But, like, there was always stuff like that in comedy where you could feel them thinking, my kid's an asshole. What broke through with Louie for a lot of people was him directly saying, my child is a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, imagine if someone else of age behaved that way. <laughs> he would call them an asshole. And so that's where Louie resonated with a lot of people is just his uh, his directness. I just I just enjoy uh, Bill being like, I don't know, I just don't want to put my shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about that directness too is like it's hard for other people to replicate it because then it kind of becomes hack like what's interesting about louis is he was the first to do this mm -hmm. to just say my kid's an asshole you're like holy shit to be the second to do it it's kind of like okay well now you're just ripping off louis and you have no punchlines. so i think a lot of people tried to just do that and they came off as you know edge lords but with no actual material right you know? right uh, but he continues here with his kids, and uh, they're also gross. <laughs> okay, yeah, very, uh, very similar. But uh, I think you'll get the point. I don't know. I love my daughter, but it, it, people really don't get what it's like with a kid full time. Well, you know, we we parents make you love our kids because we dress them up and take them out. Look at it, and everybody goes, "Oh, nice." But you don't know what she's like when she comes home. The dress comes off. She fucking rubs her ass in mud. She's fucking gross. She won't fucking take a bath. Like you can't. Once you have a baby, you can't force the kid. Fuck her. Let her sleep in her clothes. I'm not dealing with it tonight. Her hair gets clumpy. She stinks. Sometimes it's like fucking ugh. Just fucking rancid, stinky fucking kid she fucking in front of people she like scratches her asshole in front of people like fucking deep asshole scratching in the fucking panties and then she smells her finger that's the kind of person I'm talking about she's disgusting <laughs> the other day I come home and she's just laying on the carpet with just spread the eagle naked and she's just stretching her vagina open going ah I just fucking <laughs> fucking holding it open I'm like fuck shit okay wow that's wow don't react like, I can't I can't go ah I can't do that that'll fuck her up <laughs> let's go hello hi how are you <laughs> hi how's school okay <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> uh, well, what I'm realizing too with these bits is like 
you know, I keep talking about how Louis connected with parents, but like me as someone who's not a parent, he's he's also connecting with people who don't have kids yet, like that might be in a relationship and don't have kids yet, or thinking about kids, or don't want kids, whatever. He's connecting with all these anyone that's thought about kids because he's also tapping into exactly what people wouldn't want about, like the negatives about kids, right? Where you're like, but they're fi- you got to keep them alive and keep them clean and keep them fed. Like it seems exhausting. <laughs> so he's connecting to, with the parents that are exhausted and the people that don't have kids that are in fear of that exhaustion someday taking over their lives. So it is a way of connecting with everybody. That's exactly correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is our last clip. Wow. This flew by. So we've got the uh, closer here. Um, I forgot. So. If you go and watch this on YouTube, um, I didn't include the next part, but there's also, I, I'm i assuming from his uh, HBO half hour, it was like the second half of this, because when I clicked on the link, it was an hour and a half long. And I was right. like, I don't remember Shameless being that long. Um, but I think in the YouTube version, they included um, his uh, maybe HBO half hour or uh, Comedy Central half hour. I'm not sure which, but check that out if you'd like. You can tell it's a little earlier, Louis. Uh, but this is the closer to Shameless. But uh, no, it's uh, it's hard having kids and uh, being married. It's it's difficult, and you know whatever. But one thing it's made me is imp- it's impossible for me to have any sympathy for single people. I just don't give a shit about single people. I don't dislike single people, but I don't get when, whenever single people complain about anything. I really want them to just shut the fuck up because first of all, if you're single, your life has no consequence on the earth. Even if you're helping people aggressively, which you're fucking not, nobody gives a shit what happens to you. You can die, and it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't. Your mother will cry, whatever, but otherwise nobody gives a shit. I can't die. I got two kids and my wife doesn't fucking work, so I don't get to die. I can't die. I love her, but she's a painter. Great. Paint a dollar. Take some pressure off, please. But so... But single people, when you... When you they complain. Like, we don't complain when you ask a parent, hey, how's the family? We go, great. That's all we ever say. It's never fucking great. <laughs> But we say, great, because we're not going to tell you, well, my wife assassinated my sexual identity, and uh, my children are eating my dreams. We don't fucking bother you with that. We just say, great. But if you ask a single person, how's it going? They're like, well, my apartment doesn't get enough southern light, and the carpeting is getting a little moldy. You know what you should do? Burn it down and kill yourself, because nobody fucking cares. (laughs) <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't like the same music as me and she acts bored at parties we fucking call her and say fuck you and hang up and leave her you can end that shit with a phone call I need a fucking gun and a plane ticket and bleach and shit I need a whole bunch of thank you guys very much you've been really great <laughs> so and that's another one where I know I'm kind of repeating the same point but like as a single guy, he while he's saying like f- essentially "fuck you," I'm connecting it in, to it in a way where it's like that is kind of true. Like we do bitch about things where when you ask like a married couple, your friends, your parents, whatever, they're like, "Oh, everything's fine." They don't just bitch nonstop about how frustrating it is to have children. Right. You know, maybe in some private moments they will if you loosen them up, but just on a like how's it going surface level conversation. They don't complain. And you realize that as a single person, and that's what he's doing is making you again, connect to that emotion. So like, to me, that's why Louis is like one of my favorites ever, because uh, he was, he was very real, even in his absurdity. Like when he had absurd bits and everything, he made you 
uh, kind of reflect on some of your own human interactions. And that's when he was and still is really brilliant at yep. um, uh, possibly another benefit of getting canceled is that I think his last uh, three now. Yeah. Sincerely sorry. And uh, at the Dolby um, all great specials. And I think that's why you're getting good specials well into his fifties is because uh, he never, he never became, he never made that jump, even though he almost did to being Steve Martin or Robin Williams or Woody Allen or this, this filmmaker, like we almost lost him in that respect. And I think he would have made very good movies, whatever, like his, t- the TV show was obviously tremendous. Yep. Um, and I, I haven't watched much of Horace and Pete, but a lot of people love that. I've, the episodes I've seen are very good, obviously. Um, but yeah, like the reason I think Louis is still good and, uh, uh, well into his fifties is that he does have that perspective. And the other interesting thing about Louis is like, we are hearing him talk right now. He's about 40 years old in 2007 and he has not broken yet. Like people would talk about that when Louis got canceled a lot because he was like a head writer on the Chris Rock show. I, on that set, he did have power. So like the situation where it was with a coworker, I understand that. But like the idea that he was like this crazy, powerful guy, like he had not broken, until really 2009, 10 is when he started to get massively popular. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he was a headliner at this point. But, like, the reason for that, I think, and just think of this when you see some comics, and I, I tell myself this, like, well, I always, you know, Joe List is a guy I mention all the time, already did on this episode, and I always think, like, I wish he was bigger because I think he's one of the two best comedians working today. Um which I don't know why I think that it doesn't make him any funnier if he's bigger or not, but you kind of root for these guys. Right. Um, but what's interesting about Joe is like, he might be similar in that. Like he just had a kid now, like maybe he's a guy that yeah, he's very similar to Larry David. So maybe like with age, Joe will just get funnier because I don't think we should have known Louie as a 25 year old comedian. You know what I mean? Like what made him kind of a miserable husband and father made him an amazing comedian. So there, I think there is something to be said for like, uh, there's a reason guys like Burr and Louie might not break until their forties, you know? Yep. Uh, a lot of those with, with someone like Rodney. I don't know why that, I don't know like why Rodney didn't break until he was well into his fifties, but <laughs> Yeah, I think he was like 86. <laughs> he yeah. Well, he's just a joke writer. Like, man, yeah. You know what, man, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it was weird, especially at that time to see a 28 year old talking about how ugly he is and how his wife doesn't like him or something, you know, <laughs> maybe it needed, maybe yeah. it needed to be an old man for that to be relatable. Right. Yeah. Like grandpa energy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, something that that's, uh, you know, food for thought. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on Louie before we wrap up here? No, nope, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, happy to see anyone get falsely canceled. But this might be the one scenario in which I kind of am. <laughs> it might have leveled. It might have leveled him out a bit weirdly. Yeah. Where we still get the great comic. Yeah, he was on late <laughs> night know, shows. Sucks for his life. Yeah, and uh, obviously, I'm sure his kids don't love that. That was uh, brought up in the public eye and everything. Yeah. And trust me, I know how absurd it is to what I'm, what it sounds like I'm saying because he lost like 38 yeah, yeah, yeah. million bucks that day or something like that in a day. Yeah, yeah, and but he and was, as he said in one of his specials, like Obama knows my kink now. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny, like, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know he's going on late night shows in the suit promoting Hillary Clinton. I just didn't need that. <laughs> I need this guy. Craig always makes it political, but, but that was the problem. And I a fun, fun way to wrap up. I have yeah. the I have the same thoughts with Nick DiPaolo because he doesn't even like do stand up anymore. It's annoying. 
No, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So guys, let me know what you thought in the comments. And uh, if you want to support the show for free, comment everywhere, wherever you get podcasts, share it, uh, tell your friends, whatever. If you have uh, people that are into comedy, something like this, that they could get into, let them know about it. Put it on your uh, Instagram story and you know, TikTok, whatever the kids do these days. Let the people know. And uh, easiest way to find all those links is blindmike.net. You can also become a paid member on uh, Patreon or YouTube. You get bonus episodes, you get early access. So uh, consider that if you like the program as well. Blindmike.net is the easiest way to find all those links. And uh, you can also support the Craigster, Craigers, as he's known in the streets mm-hmm. and the preschools. Um, yeah, it's uh, verygoodshow.org is where you can find all of his links. Yes, please visit. I appreciate it. Uh, Rubbed Out is the true crime podcast that he does and very good show. So check those out. And uh, we will see you guys next time on Why Are You Laughing? Zip it up and zip it out. Yeah.